Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... I think the Apostle Paul wants them to answer this question themselves. Really think about this. What are you doing about these influences that are coming into your life, that are taking you away from the Lord? Are you noticing that they are taking you away, that they are hindering you? And at some point, and at various points, and sometimes you might even say daily, it is so important that we take a look inside. Today, the Apostle Paul addresses a situation many of us have seen, or that has even happened to many of us. Many people start well in the Christian life, or even go along well for many years, and then they stall or get taken off course. The Apostle Paul's question is simple. What happened to you? Most often, we have drifted or do not have the discipline we used to have. For some of us, we have allowed other things or other people to hinder us. Today, in Galatians chapter 5, The Lord has the Apostle Paul speak to us as a pastor and as a shepherd to get us back on track. Here's Pastor Jim. Galatians chapter 5, we got through verse 6 last time. As we come up to verse 7, the Apostle Paul is going to continue to tell the Galatian churches, the churches that he started in southern Turkey, that the false teachers are wrong, that grace and works cannot be mixed. We're either saved by grace or by works, and if it's by works, it's absolutely impossible, so the only option we have is to be saved by the grace of God. Theologically speaking, he condemns human effort in salvation. There is nothing we can do. Salvation is a free gift of God, but as a pastor, remember we said that the apostles were not only apostles, but they were also pastors. He's pained by what has happened to these people that started out so well, a lot of them first heard the gospel from him, and he's pained, and he is essentially saying to them, what happened to you? I mean, what happened? You had this stuff, you grasped it, and then I went out into the mission field to go teach others, to evangelize others, to plant other churches, and these other guys come in, what you so joyfully embraced, now you're letting go of. At one time, they understood the grace of God. They understood the benefits that the cross and resurrection was given to and offered to anyone who would put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. But now they are drifting from grace. They are drifting from what God did in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and they're drifting from grace to religion. And what's the difference? Grace is what God did for us. Religion is what we do for God. Christianity is God reaching down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Religion is trying to reach up to God ourselves, thinking we can do it. And notice what he says here in verse 7. He says, you ran well. Some versions say you were running well. The idea is you were doing good. Who hindered you, and he's going to use this word you a lot, and I can tell you as a preacher, 
you use the word you sparingly. I can't tell you how many times I want to say you or, you know, we're from Jersey, use guys, but I will substitute and I will say you and I, or I will say we. So you preachers, you should use the word you sparingly because it's an in-your-face kind of way of talking to people. Uh, not that I'm against that, but, <laughs> but here he's going to use it a lot. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, the Christian life is often portrayed as a race, but it's a race that God wants us to finish. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, we are pressing for the prize. But this is what we must remember. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long race all the way to the end. Sometimes you'll meet your neighbor and they'll go, oh, I don't need that Jesus stuff. I went to church, you know, 18 years ago, and the guy told me if I prayed the prayer that I was in, he wouldn't lie to me, would he? And I always go, he might, or he might just be wrong. And that's not the way, it's not one thing you do one time and you kind of forget about it. No, it's an ongoing marathon, not a sprint. And because it is a marathon, it requires discipline. And the Galatians had started well, but now their progress is being hindered. It is stopping. They are not growing. They're going in the wrong direction. And the Apostle Paul says, who hindered you? Now, he knows who hindered them. We know. We've been studying for weeks or months of this letter. We know it's the false teachers. But I think the Apostle Paul wants them to answer this question themselves. Really think about this. What are you doing about these influences that are coming into your life that are taking you away from the Lord? Are you noticing that they are taking you away, that they are hindering you? And at some point, and at various points, and sometimes you might even say daily, it is so important that we take a look inside, that we do a soul-searching look, examine the influences in our lives and what they are doing to us, Think about where we're going in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. Now, we can always repent and come back to the Lord. Don't worry about that. But if you don't take that inventory, a lot of times you won't even realize how far off you are. And it's so important. And I know this is kinds of stuff that people don't even really want to talk about much anymore. But we need to take ownership of our lives and we need to take responsibility for ourselves. We're going to see that in Galatians 6. We are responsible for one another, but we are responsible for ourselves too. And this is something that we have to, those of us who consider ourselves to be older, again, you judge that for yourself, this is something we have to pass on to the next generation, that they take ownership of their own lives and they take responsibility. So much of our lives really is responsibility. And if we have none, we're doomed. Here the Apostle Paul uses a military term for being hindered. And the idea is similar to blocking a road. So if an enemy was coming upon them, they would block a road to slow them down. Or what they would do if they knew they had horses and chariots, they would cut up the road. And that would hinder the person from coming towards them. It's also an athletic term. It has to do with being in a race 
The Apostle Paul seemed to be an athletics fan because he used a lot of sports analogies, and it has to do with being in a race and somebody cutting you off, somebody cutting in on you. Those of us who are older, we remember when Mary Decker was in the Olympics many, many years ago, and some of you are like, oh, I'm too young for that. This great Olympic race against Zola Budd, and she was cut off and she fell, and her husband, remember that? Go home and Google YouTube Mary Decker, and her husband carried her across the line. It's one of those things. So it's cutting off, cutting in, so someone stumbles, so someone falls, so someone is knocked off course, and he's saying, who did this to you? Are you really thinking about these things? In Acts chapter 20, this emotional passage where the Apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the elders at the Ephesian church, he gives us one of the most sobering warnings you could really ever hear, and he says this, verse 25, and indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. This is it, he's saying goodbye. This is have a good life speech. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I didn't just tell you the good stuff. I told you the good, I told you the bad, I told you the ugly, right? If you go to hell, if that's your choice, I have no blood on my hands. I told it all to you. Verse 29, therefore take heed to yourselves, Verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. That's what's going on in Galatia. Here he's warning the Ephesian church about it, the leaders there, and then look what he says in verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. To draw away the disciples after themselves. What is gonna happen? People are gonna come in and they're gonna cut you off. That's what they're gonna do. They're gonna hinder you. They're gonna stop your spiritual progress and you have to be aware of such people. They'll come from the outside, but they'll even rise up from the inside. Verse 31, therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Let me ask you a question. Google some of the most famous pastors in the United States of America and do you see them warning people with tears? Not at all, not at all. Now you say, what is this whole cut-in thing? Can you give us some practical examples of it? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Do you know some of our most prestigious universities started off as Christian universities? And now they're actually anti-Christ. Now they're actually anti-Christian. Why? Somebody cut them off. Somebody hindered them. And what did other people do? They just stood and watched. They didn't fight it. In some places they tried to. You know, J. Gresham Masham tried in Princeton, but they just got cut off. So many of our seminaries were actually places where people went, men and women went to study the Bible, and now they've become places where many of them are dismissing the Bible. There is only a handful of good, 
seminaries left in this country, and just because a college says that it's a Christian college, please, 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 don't be so naive. It's just not that way anymore. And what about some of our denominations? They have completely left the word of God. What happened? Somebody cut them off. Somebody cut in. Somebody hindered the work of God that had been started in that denomination. People stood around and just watched. And notice what they were hindered from, and maybe this is why some people are willing to let it happen. He calls it, you were hindered from obeying the truth. You were hindered from living out the good news of the gospel. So when the Galatians had started, they were regularly able to absorb the truth of the word of God and then take that truth and put it into everyday practice. In other words, we would say this, their theology matched their behavior and their behavior matched their theology. That's why people say all the time, like, oh, I don't want any theology. (laughs) Good theology and good behavior are friends. They walk down the street together holding hands. And because other than that, if you don't have good theology, then everything that pops into your head is from God. You know, all the time people say, you don't know what God told me. And I'm always like, yeah, well, I know he didn't tell you that because that couldn't possibly be from him. For years in the church, it's sad. We're still paying the price for it. It mattered what you knew. And so you have some of these older guys now, some of these scandals are coming out with these guys. And if you read the Christian news, don't. It's just so depressing. Some of these guys, leaders of church movements, leaders of seminaries, they're in their 60s and their 70s. They knew a lot. They were smart men. And now the scandals are coming about about all the things that they were doing in the darkness. And so it used to be, oh, it only mattered what you knew. It didn't matter how you lived. Now we've switched. You see, we never stop in the middle. We never stop in the right place. Instead of saying theology, how you live, let's bring them together and let's walk in the newness of life that Christ has given us. So now today, more people are interested in it's all about, it's all about what you do and how you live. But... <laughs> Or maybe it's just about the charitable deeds that you do. But if your theology is wrong, then what you think about life is wrong. And notice the Apostle Paul uses two words that people absolutely hate today. He says, you guys, you Galatians, were obeying the truth. Well, let's start with the truth. Unbelieving people, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're very glad that you're here with us. And all you need to do is turn on the television, turn on YouTube, turn on whatever your choice of media is, and you'll see that unbelieving people hate the truth. In fact, they'll even tell you there's no such thing as the truth. Truth is relative. Your truth, my truth. I tried telling that to an IRS agent one time. He was like, well, you owe taxes. I'm like, well, that's your truth. (laughs) My truth is I owe nothing. My truth is I get a refund. But that's not reality. There is truth, but people don't want to think that there is any truth. But sadly, while many Christians would say there is truth, many Christians, professing Christians, hate the word obey. As soon as you talk about obeying, they cry out legalism, legalism. Now, if you're saying you have to do this to get to heaven, That is legalism. 
But if somebody's saying to you, listen, the way you live is not the way professing Christians live, that is not legalism. People are like, oh, no, no, it's legalism. No, that's your bad theology, bro. You just don't understand what the Bible says. You don't understand what the Bible teaches. Yes, we are saved by grace. I will die for that. I'll probably end up in jail for that. And we are justified through faith alone. But after that, there's a difference between being justified by faith or through faith by Christ and being sanctified through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Sanctified is becoming more like Christ. We need to start obeying the word of God. What we believe and how we live cannot be separated. And even the unbelieving people know that. They're like, yeah, that guy says he's Christian, but man, he does this and that and that and that. And they cannot be separated. Being Christian is something we know because we have believed and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's also something we do and we live with God's help by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying here, listen, don't believe the false teachers. Biblical theology is important. It teaches us about God and it comes into our hearts and guides the way we live and guides our experience. Now, he is already anticipating the objection. He's like, well, you know, that's your truth, Paul, but we have our truth now. These other teachers came in and they told us some other stuff and so now we're siding with them. Look what he says in verse eight. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. This way of thinking does not come from, and remember in the Gospel of Matthew, who's the one who does the calling? Jesus was calling the apostles, follow me. He says, this persuasion, this line of reasoning, this thinking, this thing that has won you over does not come from the Lord. So the false teachers and the drifting in the Galatians church was by they were adding circumcision. Circumcision also in Galatians can be symbolic of the Old Testament law. So they're going out to these people who are living in the Roman Empire. They're not Jews. They're saying, okay, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to become a Jew. You also need to start following the Old Testament law. Now, we don't have a lot of that stuff going on today. It's in certain places, I think in some hyper-legalistic Pentecostal circles, you'll hear about it sometimes, but you don't really hear as much about that stuff as you used to. What you hear about today is what a lot of people would refer to as hyper-grace, that it doesn't matter how you live at all. Neither one of those persuasions are from God. God calls you. God calls people to believe, to put their trust in Jesus Christ, that is salvation, and then to begin the walk of sanctification, to begin the walk of faith. The Bible says we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And the part of we are being saved, which is right now for the Christian, is the walking and the obeying of the word of God. Now, what is this call? Some people call it, and I like the term. Of course, you've got to sit with people and say to them, what do you mean by the term? But some people refer to this 
as the effectual call. The call of Christ has an effect on people to believe and to put their trust in him. It is the call of Christ to follow. So I try my best, particularly on Sundays, to issue a call to people, sometimes four, five, six times in a message, figuring I'll wake them up at one point. The call to believe, hoping that it is Christ's effectual call. It is affecting them. It is having the effect on them that they will believe. And that is the persuasion from God, from the Spirit of God, to put your rest in Christ alone for salvation. But Paul's saying this persuasion of the faith and works combo plan that you believe now is not from God at all. It is a complete counterfeit, okay? He knows where it came from. He's been showing us that it's both wrong. It's not just a different way of thinking of things. It's actually hostile to the grace of God. In many ways, I think he's returning to what he told us in the very introduction of this letter, Galatians 1.6. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. And this different gospel is not like, oh, you know, it's a, just a you know, different kind of coffee, different flavor ice cream or something like that. No, it is no gospel at all. There is no other gospel. The grace of God, we often say, is undeserved. That means there's nothing we did to deserve it. It is a free gift of the forgiveness of sins offered to, given to, made to, the offers made to sinners, and there is a condition. The condition is that you put your trust in Christ and Christ alone. You say, well, is that a work? That's not a work. You're responding to the work that Jesus already did. So whenever we are persuaded to trust in ourselves, when we trust in ourselves, we go to hell. When we are persuaded to trust in ourselves, when we are persuaded to trust in our works or our rituals, that persuasion is not from God. Paul wrote this to the Romans, Romans eleven six, and if by grace then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Brilliant verse. But if it is of works, it is no longer of grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So adding anything to grace in your salvation is wrong. So what does it do to the church? What does it do to the body of Christ when we are in Affected with these false doctrines, these extreme doctrines from one side to the other. What he tells us in verse 9, a little leaven, some versions say yeast, leavens or works through the whole lump. So bread does not rise, does not grow bigger unless you put a little bit of yeast in the dough. But you don't need a lot. You only need a very little bit. In the Old Testament, during the time of Passover, the people of God made unleavened bread. Leaven was symbolic of sin, so what they would do was they would try to get all of the leaven out of the house. Symbolic of getting all of the sin out of the house. The false teaching that's going on in Galatia, 
the divisions, the sin that comes out of when you think you're saved by your own works, when you start trusting in yourself, he is saying is like yeast in dough. It grows and it grows and it grows. And when it comes into a church, it actually starts destroying the church from the inside out, and it actually starts destroying souls. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.